welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Tiff Stevenson. We had a lovely chat about Richard Dawkins, about the difference between wrong and evil, whether you can be wrong without being evil or evil without being wrong, uh, and uh, online bullying, as well as a number of different things, including physical stress responses. We had a lovely chat. I always like having Tiff on. Um, please listen to the podcast if you if you like that as well. I think it's worth listening to this this thing and i assume if you've started listening you're going to continue listening so that's that uh what else oh uh, my next week's podcast is a question and answer one a solo podcast i have already put out a call for questions if you are not following me on twitter at alliterative a-l-i-t-e-r-a-t-i-v-e uh then you might have missed that call out so i'm leaving that open for a few more days um i already have quite a lot of questions but i'm thinking of doing a couple of solo podcasts and maybe doing a little bit of extra stuff for my patreon subscribers to whom i as every as every week uh want to say thank you so much you let me do what i do you make it possible for me to do what i do um and that is a wonderful thing you are good people I assume, unless you're paying off some sort of uh, perceived debt, in which case also, thanks. Um, I will be in Edinburgh from the end of, uh, well, from the beginning of August. The whole month of August I'll be in Edinburgh. I'm going to be doing uh, a a regular spot every day at a children's show at 2pm. I'm also going to be doing Ethos every night at uh, the Underbelly in Bristow Square under the McEwen Hall. I will also be doing a one-off of the trilogy on the 13th of August, which is everybody's regular day off, and I will be doing my last previews for Ethos at the Yorkshire Fringe. Um, So all of those things are coming up, um, and the trilogy, the podcast of the trilogy on the ABC will be coming out at the end of this month, if all goes to plan. No one's told me that it won't, so I'm going to assume that that is and that I can announce that, and that's very exciting um, for me, at least. So it's a three one-hour shows. They've been putting it out as six, uh, in six parts as a six-part podcast series. Um, I argued about that just as for a glance glimpse behind the curtain because i wrote them to be one hour not half hours but um there's a theory that people don't listen to more than half an hour of a podcast at a time or the majority of people don't listen to more than half an hour of a podcast at a time and that theory prevails in the management of the abc so that's what's going to be happening um I will obviously plug that a lot more as I go forward. I'm also doing one of the live bugles at Edinburgh. What else? That's about it. Um, email me at alicerfraser at gmail.com if you have any opinions on anything that I've said or you just want to say hi. Uh, I really like getting those emails. It makes me very happy um, to talk to you, especially uh, on email where it's a bit longer form than Twitter, although I'm always happy to talk on Twitter as well or particularly to my um, Patreons. I'll have a Skype and ha- we can have a chat. And sometimes it gives me uh, some really good ideas. Uh, in fact, one of those ideas is in this podcast this week from one of my uh, Skype patrons. So thank you very much. You know who you are. Obviously, I'm not, I haven't asked if I can use your name, so I won't, but thank you. That's it from me. I will let you get on with listening to this and I'll see you next week. You're having tea with Alice. are you and what are you drinking i'm tiff stevenson i'm drinking a glass of iced water with some lemon in it it's 
it's like a cold lemon tea let's call yeah it that. let's let's call it that <laughs> I, and also it's easiest for me to drink water at the moment because i'm still after i've finished my invisalign for those of you that were really into the hot takes on the orthodontic work were following, <laughs> following the journey of your teeth to perfection yeah so at the moment it's finished but i now have these retainers that i have to wear for another couple of months and then just at night time i had the option of having that or wire but i don't like having wiring behind my teeth and the thought of keeping that clean and i've got no fillings thank you well done yeah so i just incredible yeah no fillings what have you got have you got any uh no i have two missing teeth uh, in Ooh. the back of my mouth because my mum had it too just baby teeth that weren't replaced by adult teeth two right. gaps and my uncle who's a dentist tried to close the gaps uh, when I was about 20, 21 just when I'd lost my puppy fat was the time I got braces and it spent three months and they didn't move at all because I clenched my teeth at night so then they were sort of weirdly twisted from the braces so three months getting them back in place so I had braces for like a year and they did nothing I clench you clench at I night. clench, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it's a new... Th- it's a fairly... In the last couple of years, it wasn't a thing that... Actually, it may have been before because I'd misshapen. I'd, like, g- ground one of my teeth and then sort of the shape of it. And I've had it... I've had a bonding put over one of them, but it, it, I'd sort of destroyed it in my sleep. I think stressed out. I think probably over the course... Edinburgh, I think, has probably done that. In and around Edinburgh, just even when you think you're not stressed or panicking going to bed and then at night time just being like I'm hanging on for dear life it's amazing how your body can sublimate stress in that you don't feel stress but all of a sudden you know you get a migraine or you throw up in a bin or whatever it is yeah half your hair's fallen out what's happened (laughs) yeah it is like it's a weird survival thing of like you've got the stress but you've got to put it somewhere and you, you can't afford having it distract you in your emotions so you just like get a hemorrhoid like you know yeah, whatever yeah. it is Trevor my my singular pile that's you, you know I've I got a name for him yeah, so. I think that's a beautiful thing that you have a relationship <laughs> well it's just because he's like um I used to describe him like an ex-boyfriend like when he's not there you just sort of forget and then he appears again and it's painful all over again. <laughs> it's, like it, it's like all, all happening all over again from the beginning. Um, what have you been wrestling with of late? Apart from the pile and the braces. Um, actually, no, the hemorrhoid's gone. It's like because you're old and young at the same time. I know. <laughs> My body's so confused right now. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm not going to Edinburgh, so that's probably why the hemorrhoid is, is not there. However, it leaves much more time for my brain to just panic about other things i think the good thing about edinburgh is it focuses me because i've got to do writing i've got to do preview and it's not as if i don't have work to do i do but then there's downtime in like in my day like i don't have a show tonight or i don't have a thing tonight and i've got a documentary to kind of do research and write for yeah that i'm shooting but that's like you need a over deadline. a time yeah it's over a time frame no one's gone can you have this all done by I've had a book in the works since I was like 16. What I need <laughs> is someone to go, I need a chapter this week. And then yeah. it will turn out a chapter in a week. Like that's, yes, that is just how I work. It's that's how humans work. I think it's very, very hard to keep motivated when there's no consequence or, uh, well also when need. it's just for yourself as yeah. well if you're not if you're not well I'm doing mine I'm doing I'm doing mine with like a a production company like it's happening but they haven't said 
it needs to be done by here. Like vaguely I have in my mind that it is to coincide with something in November. So I go, oh, we've got to shoot before that and... Yeah, but it's, it's so amorphous, yeah. right? This is the thing. I think it's like, uh, unless you're driven by absolute narcissism, like the world needs to see this, yeah. or it's a genuine story where you're like, the world needs to hear this story. If you have that compulsion, you can do it on your own. Or if you're driven by anxiety and fear, if I don't do this, I'll starve to death or, you know, all my work will disappear. That but kind of OC, that, that obsessive thinking that I used to have at the gym where you're like, if I don't run this mile in this amount of time, all my family are going to die. <laughs> Never done that, no. no. Oh my God. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Yeah, I did, like, so, like it, it's like weird, like... I'm, I mean, actually examining my own self in the time when I was obsessively fit, it was when my mum was very sick. So there right. probably was a bit of that kind of subliminal thing of like, I have to have control over my body because, but I didn't think of it in that way. I just thought it was what I was doing. Yeah. As opposed to going, I'm trying to literally exercise control yeah. in the one area of my life. Um, yeah. I've exercised loads today. I've exercised restraint. Very good. I'm not selling someone to fuck off on the internet. I am a hero. I've exercised control, restraint and um, humility. Right now I'm exercising. <laughs> I used to have a joke about that. Of like a, I used to be obsessed with exercise, but now I think a sound body starts with a sound mind. So I read a lot about, Exercise. <laughs> well, there's a book on my shelf here called The Supple Leopard, which is pretty much that. I mean, that's but, a beautiful name, Supple Leopard. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing lots of yoga, actually. That's become my... I used to run. I love running. I do love running because I feel like it sort of knocks out the demons. As I feel my hit, feet hit the pavement, I can feel like just like shaking off my bad mode and that kind of level of sweat. But I've been doing yoga pretty much every day since the beginning of the year, bar a couple of break so I did it for like a month I did this 30 days with of yoga with Adrienne who I love and I'm obsessed with because she's so is this an internet thing yeah it's on YouTube but she's so cheery and nice and you know also just I feel like it's good to stretch stretching my body feels like I'm stretching my mind and my thoughts and where I can go and what I can do. And I think creatively it's very useful, but it's also, you know, not just for those ends. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean mind and body are so closely linked. Half of what you feel and think is just your digestive system having an opinion about yeah. what you just <laughs> yeah. ate. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where they don't know how much of it is causation, how much of it is correlation, but people who have things like depression very often have fucked up gut flora. Yeah. Like their gut biome is off and whether that's because they're depressed and something in their body is making that happen or because of their, like it's, it's a really interesting question as well because for so many people depression is like, especially nowadays, I don't know if there's more depression now or if people are just more aware of it now. I've had a week of really bad, um, really kind of like at the bottom of a well sort of type thinking and normally I can associate it with it being this like premenstrual dysphoria mm. but this time it wasn't it was like sort of post and so I was like oh no is this because if you've had it there's always that fear that this black cloud is going to come back this hovering thing that in my 20s was literally overtook my life for six months to the point of me you know thinking about killing myself every day trying to throw myself in front of a train i sort of talked about it a bit in in, in optimist but that was like the the bleakest and then there's always a f low level fear that if i felt sad or i felt that it oh is this it coming back yeah i'm so afraid that this is it coming back 
and and so it it came back in a small way in my sort of late twenties again. And then I've had like little periods on and off, and but also I think like this is such a weird industry where you there's extreme highs and massive lows. Yeah, and how much of it is situational and how much of it is chemical and how much of it is you're under your control and how much of it isn't is yeah. such a such a weird thing. Like the only time that I've had very, well, I think I was probably depressed through most of high school. I, I, I went through most of high school in a cloud, but I didn't really think about that. But now you can upload I've... your depression to an iCloud. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I've been really like probably clinically depressed was when I sort of came back from the Middle East and was working in a law firm and that was very situational. It was right. like having seen some stuff and having, you know, being in this environment that I was not suited to at all. I, I think, you know, people always complain about lawyers and they say, oh, why do they get paid so much? It's because you cannot pay anyone any less money to do what lawyers do. <laughs> I mean, because it's so... It takes a toll. Well, it's... I mean, particularly in corporate law firms. Some people are suited to it, but I was not. But... For in the junior levels of a corporate law firm, you're doing work that is takes a lot of brain space. You have to concentrate on it, but it is also very boring. So unless you're interested in it, you have to you have to pay really close attention to something you don't care about. But there's this kind of grinding urgency because if you get it wrong, millions of dollars are on the line. Right. It's, it's a it's a weird stress. It's a weird kind of, and of course, you know, privilege and everything. You're getting paid a lot of money to do this, and 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 so on and so forth. But it it's something that chips away at your. It's sense. an emotional tax. Yeah, it is. It is. You you are. It's like jeans shopping forever. You know, you have to pay attention, <laughs> but it's so boring. But it's also urgent that you get it right, and 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 also it doesn't need to be you. It could be anyone else, and they could change you out for anyone. And people would kill for this job, and all of these kind of. I did data analysis for a while for oh. someone who's now, I think, so bad at maths. I'm not bad at maths. at school. I was really good at maths, and then I just went, but I hate it. So I had like a natural aptitude for it, and then I like sort of checked out. I remember going from junior school to high school, and then you got streamed for maths, and I went into the top stream. And I hated my teacher and I didn't do any of the works and they moved me into the middle stream and I was fine with that because I just, I, I didn't enjoy it. And then somehow I ended up temping in between jobs, like I had an acting agent and I ended up like doing data analysis and like, uh, what was it, FMCG markets, fast moving consumer goods, uh, studying EPOS data, which is the data that comes in from tills. And producing. I mean, I've already gone to sleep. Exactly, isn't awful. it so fucking boring? So, and there's probably someone listening going, "I do that for a job. Fuck, go fuck yourself." Uh, but, well, I mean, but it, this is the thing: some people can enjoy it, and some people don't have the luxury kind of, of making you, a choice. If you find it, it's kind of like building up a profile, but that, that makes it sound so sinister. And this will have all changed now with social media. There wasn't social media when I was doing this, but essentially, what you're doing is building up a profile of the type of person that shops. So then, at one point, I was like a regional analyst for Coca-Cola, and it was a job that I blagged my way into so hard. It's hilarious. Like the temp agency sent me up for it, and it was paying something like 120 pounds a day, like. And this would be 20 years ago. So oh, there was wow. like such a lot of money. 20 years ago, 18 years ago, maybe. I think, I can't remember how. I was like, maybe not even 20. <laughs> like, well, maybe I was. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is, at the time, it was a hell of a lot of money and it was quite a responsible job. Mm-hmm. And I, because I would turn up and I'd have like a natural aptitude for a lot of things, uh, like people would go, oh, do you want a permanent job? And I didn't because I was like, ah doing this you know so so i ended up doing regional 
uh, being a regional analyst for them. And then I did the same for like spa, like the supermarket chain. So you get this data in from the till and it would go, here's the footfall in the store store per day. This is how many different people have done transactions. And these people in South Wales, they like Diet Coke. Like that's that's what it ends up being. You know, like you're yeah, trying yeah. to build a profile. So if you're interested in people, you can then make it a slightly broader study in spending habits and everything else and how people do this and then they use that like there was this company called mintel marketing who used to provide the software and everything to fire it all up in and it got a bit more exciting when you could do charts (laughs) (laughs) like i'm trying to make it sound but honestly i like the the coca-cola job i blagged my way through so hard like slept under the desk like that kind of like kind of crazy to play solitaire all all day long you know like (laughs) you know just kind of shit like that where you'd come back and be like uh i didn't really sleep under the desk but you know like the uh just that level of like kind of really really long lunches um really long like two three hours in hammersmith because there was a couple of shopping centers i'd just disappear and then i'd play things and then you would do long emails because you couldn't really do much else on the internet it wasn't kind of yeah it wasn't that the wonderful world of horrifying madness that it is now yeah um, when you can you can stumble upon something that's not about you make it about you or vice versa, or vice versa. <laughs> well this is something i've been thinking about recently uh well two things i've been thinking about recently three things two okay <laughs> let's start with one uh the difference between being wrong and being evil like, oh yeah is is really interesting to me people seem to have lost perspective we, on that on you, what those two things are on what those two things are that they assume that you are born with an innate sense of what's right and wrong and that that innate sense will agree with your political position but you had to learn that you had to either be in an environment that was welcoming to that idea or you had to come to it yourself and, and there's information there's facts there's ideas and then there's your prejudice yes and they don't they don't necessarily in, intersect yeah and, and believing that somebody who is wrong is evil for being wrong yeah because yeah. all of the data is available you're like well there's so many different part like how much data is available to them what their environment is what their upbringing is all of this stuff changes how they will receive data yeah. They've been told that a certain source is untrustworthy. Why should they trust it? Why should they know to trust it? Yeah. Like, teach, I mean, obviously, I think the solution is education because I think that's the solution to everything, to give people kind of a critical analytical way to filter that shit themselves. But, you know, not everyone gets to choose their education. Not everyone gets a good education. Not everyone... Like, it's, it's phenomenal to me. And then the other thing that I was thinking about... Um, other than this assuming people are wrong because they're evil or that they're evil because they're wrong, um, is, this is this is just a theory. So this is the theory, is that uh, I was talking with one of my Skype patrons um, earlier today, lovely lady, and she was saying uh, most of politics or most of the people in who have political opinions are in the middle ground. You have 25% on the far left, 25% on the far right, give or take. And the people on the far sides are the loudest. Yes. Right? But you have these people in the middle who are sceptical, unconvinced, a bit of this, a bit of that. They might, I don't know, whatever it happens to be, for example, they might be pro-gay married marriage but worried about this you know trans people in bathrooms right for whatever reasons whether they're right or wrong so it, this is so someone who's in the middle 
mm-hmm. takes a bit from both sides, is unconvinced, this is my theory, is that they will lean conservative. Right. Because conservative, by definition, is conservative. Like, you're yeah. not going to take the risky choice. If you're not sure, you're going to take the safe choice. Something that serves to, serves your own interest yeah. rather than a broader societal... Well, the, 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 the propaganda or what you of recognize. the left yeah, yeah. is about disruption, yeah. about changing things. And changing things means that you have unexpected outcomes, you know, whatever it happens. Anything from the fact that bringing women into the workforce pushed lower-class men out of being able to be socially mobile. That's right. an unforeseen outcome of an obvious left good. Yeah. But that is a, that is a bad thing yeah. that has come out of that, well, even though... It, it's that thing, again, of kind of going, how far are you allowed to be selfish? Yeah. Because I think... Or the fact and that, is there anything wrong? Is there, you know, should we be less selfish? But also, if it's okay for this person to be selfish, why isn't it okay for that person to be selfish? Exactly. And then, you know, women in the workforce also doubles house prices. Right. Which is an unforeseen outcome. Yeah. Things like that, which Free are economics. really self-evident goods to the left from the perspective of the right or from the perspective of maybe the middle ground. You, you don't know what the outcomes are going to be. And yeah. if you're in these uncertain times, the more afraid you are, the more you're going to go with the people who are like, we're going to keep everything the same or we're going to go back to former, more stable times, even though those are promises that they can't keep. You're going to stick... You're going to, you're going to be safer. Yeah. If, you're, if you're scared, you will always go safer. This is why and you so, naturally people then become more conservative as they get older. Yeah, because you become more afraid, whether it's because you know more about the world or just because your testosterone goes down or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But so then what happens is the politicians who are voted in, these right-wing politicians that are increasingly gaining power, they listen to the loud people. Because they're getting the votes, they assume that all of those voters are agreeing with the loud people on the right, and so then those politicians move their positions right to match their base. Right, right. So that's my theory. I don't right. know if it's so true or not. Right, so that's why it gets further left and so, further right. Yeah, so that's why you get these right-wing governments And the far in. left and the far right come back to meet each other in a and it's very shit pit of shouting and... And then those middly people, the people who are, you know, unsure or middle groundy or might have some right and some left views, then the left-wing goes, well, you're them. racist. Right. For being that way. And they're like, no, I'm not racist. I'm just scared. I'm just worried about what happens if you bring in a whole bunch of different cultures into this culture. I'm, ha- I'm happy in this culture. I like this culture. Can we not bring them in more slowly? Whatever it happens yeah. to be, they, are, they have a, a reasonable position or a position based in fear. Either way, telling them that they're racist pushes them further Pushes them right. further, further to the right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were we thinking, because we were talking about just before we started the podcast richard dawkins tweet oh yes that's had a little bit of um yeah a little discussion bit of around it yeah oh, yeah there was just one more thing that i had to say about yeah. that which was that the 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 left wing is kind of um adopting some of the tactics of the right wing and, and saying things like don't tone police but this is the problem is you can't get away with being um as as shouty because you have to seem more reasonable if you're going to make the risky choice if you're asking people to make the risky choice you have to seem eminently reasonable yes and that's why this trend towards rage is not necessarily useful for converting the middle ground and getting sick of them and impatient for them with them for being scared 
isn't useful isn't going to help your cause in the long run although understandably why the frustration is there yeah obviously and you so go, can't you see this and can't you see the logic of this if and you can't have you moral see... clarity about the yeah. issue it's insane that this person wouldn't agree with you well there's moral versus i think we discussed this last time maybe when we were talking about jordan peterson but what i felt what i found so interesting was i think the left misquoting and going at him in the way they have has essentially weaponized him for the right. Yes. Um, and like, when I say when I say going for him, I think it's quite easy to take apart some of his arguments. However, he's then being misquoted or given what's the uh, you know being willfully misinterpreted or it being yeah. you know and cons- we, we, you don't need that. You don't need to do that because it's quite easy to dismantle some of his arguments. Some of the stuff that he talks about is quite interesting. Some of it is fucking ridiculous, as we've discussed before. Yeah. Like the stuff around forced marriage and all of this kind of crap. Yeah. Um, and, but again, that would require going into nuance and detail, which I think we did last time. But I guess when you, um, when you kind of misquote him and, and willfully misinterpret you just weaponize him for the right. And it's interesting because actually, considering the right is one of their big things on the alt-right is facts, not feelings. Yeah. Facts don't care about your feelings. As if, it's, you know, like virtue signaling, as if somehow, as if having empathy yes. for someone is wrong or if caring about shit is wrong. So that's their side. But actually a lot of what Jordan Peterson does is moralizing because of his religious beliefs and and basing it a lot on his feelings about what's right and what's wrong behaviors for many yeah. women particularly yeah. he's got he's very much based in that now gender stuff yeah but Dawkins is a really interesting example I think of this where he positioned himself early on as very middle ground that's the definition he's a rationalist yeah. he's an atheist he's meant to be all about facts and then he he's being pushed to the pushed right right by the left to the point where he's now done this stupid-ass tweet today yeah. of saying, I prefer the sound of church bells to the sound of morning prayers. Actually, it was kind of, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of more than that. The, he, he specifically said the chant of Alu Akbar. Let me find it because I, I, I originally it's came across it when... Such a tweety thing to say. Um, such a, um, like for someone who's based his brand on substantive criticisms of religion yeah. all religion to go to go out and go basically i prefer the christian hat to the like the, the as style. someone as someone who's openly who's not a believer it's like saying you don't watch football but man united are better than arsenal but not even man united <laughs> socks are better than arsenal, arsenal like, or man man yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's so crazy weird. so here's what he said he said listening to the lovely lovely bells of winchester one of our great medieval cathedrals so much nicer than the aggressive sounding alu akbar or is that just my cultural upbringing yes. but here's the thing he it is he is doing it in bad faith because he's very smart he knows exactly what he's doing no one's going to have a problem with him saying i love the sound of church bells isn't this church pretty people yeah. might go that's interesting for an atheist he kind of likes the aesthetics of religion yes and he's right? come and out and, and said it, that before and he's and, and he's allowed to yeah and there's there's so much i mean there's you have that um what are they called the church of uh, something the the 
Alain de Botton, this yeah. common sense or whatever. I'm not sure what yeah. they are, but they are, they're these people who say, well, the good thing about religion is community and meetings and songs. And so they have these kind of sermons, secular sermons. I saw John Safran give one at Splendor in the Grass some years ago about guilt. That was one of the best pieces of performance art I have ever seen in my life. It was 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, full of people coming down from the night before. Right. And it was like hairs up the back of your neck good good yeah in the way that a church sermon if you're that's why to bring it back to football so many people love it because if you're not religious that is the closest you can kind of get to that communal all being on the same side singing together as one voice connecting to your fellow person on some shared common ground and feeling that that kind of elation or like maybe even being at a concert or you know those those kind of group experiences yeah we do have those urges as people and so this you know secular church uh thing is is trying to meet that need and whether you can do that without a belief in the transcendental is kind of their experiment yes well so so i said something like for someone who's supposed to be an atheist he's pro church bells all of a sudden then someone replied going no he said he likes the arts and rituals of christianity etc and i said well then it's he's just been a bigot you know for for someone who claims not to believe it's weird for him to mention another religion state of preference unless he's trying to say something else you know he could just say enjoys the bells he's smart enough to know what he's doing yeah and i think that's and and it's really important it's valid to critique and analyze religion that's totally valid and important but saying a call to prayer is annoying and something else is better is not that you're not critiquing you're stating a preference which you are also allowed to do but he's clever enough to know that he's doing more than that especially when he adds the culture in it if he goes i prefer church bells to the sound of alu akbar you go okay it's weird it's weird that you're an atheist and you say if you were a christian or a staunch catholic and you went i love the ceremony and i don't like that i i, would, I could kind of accept it more because that that's you base everything around that's your passion it's weird that you feel the need to bring something else in like it's a world cup of religions but fine let's you know you can go there but it, it kind of makes it worse when he is an atheist yes and then he's saying is it my is it my cultural upbringing well, you know I, it's they, sowing seeds of division and otherness that he knows he knows he's he should be that. better he should be better than that he should be better than that or he has shifted and, and met or he's just moved to the media. right yeah part of it is social media he's moved to the right whether that's because he's getting older whether that's because of the backlash he got from the left in criticizing islam that he didn't get from the left when he was criticizing christianity i mean this is uh, the publicist who used to be the publicist for milo yiannopoulos right. said that when he was coming to a town they would call up the most left-wing stations and people and, and so on and so forth and, and, and get him banned, get protests happening before they even announced it. Right. And then they would sell the tour on this. He's oh, been God, on this. Yeah, yeah. So they, Trying to make him seem relevant and exciting. So this is kind of the, 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 the mechanics of what he's doing now, is he's trying to present himself as naughty yeah. to the left so that his audience expands on the right. What the why he's not got the intellectual honesty to hold his middle ground i don't know whether it's pressure because or it's really hard it's it, it it and that's worth discussing in itself you know um and, and i saw because nish i think was just at the end of his te- he kind of called out some other ones because people have said there's other things that people have said recently that are not like cultural upbringing added to reasonable fears and etc etc you know um but it is really hard to hold the middle ground. It's so hard when you see 
people charge forward on the right or the left with as a comedian it's hard to watch because i can tell you right now if you or i were to abandon our left-leaning principles and i think it's fair to say that we are left-leaning yes absolutely. but i am in the middle you yeah. know on a lot of stuff um but i but then well you know like i'm massively publicly like left about lots of stuff if we were to abandon those and get on a you know a ship is probably the word i'm going to use to uh slagging off refugees and being and kind of like on the right your career would take off would it yeah, well, it would in a certain audience. You'd it would with a certain audience, and you'd have to. You then have to contemplate whether you thought that was worth selling out everything you believed in to do in order to do it. You know, and but 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 I am kind of seeing. But even if you didn't compromise what you believed in, even if you yeah, because this is what this is the truth. Uh, if you have non kind of party line beliefs on the left yeah. and we all do we all have some of yeah. them. whatever yeah. they may be yes you have some things that don't agree with the party line and you choose not to say those things because it would hurt your friends or because you're not really sure why you believe those things or whatever it happens to be but if you just chose to say those things instead of the things that you are certain about so you yeah. would come out in support of uh, trans rights or gay rights or or women being paid the same as men. Those things. Those are the things you feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. But you might not feel comfortable saying. I don't. I don't. I, I'm not going to project beliefs onto you. But uh, here's well, what I Well, the at the end of my show, for example, where I talk about racially profiling someone on the train. Yeah. So to be able to say that I did that, and I'm not saying it's right, and I challenged it, and I didn't say, it, but it was a battle that went on in my head. Yes. And the reason that I tell the story at the end is because I kind of go it we all suffer from that unconscious bias. It doesn't make us bad people if we challenge it. But the problem is, even acknowledging yes. that you have a bias has people going, ah! Nowadays, you know, like, yeah. because they're like, why did you, you know, that, like, to be able to come out and go, oh God, I did this thing on the train the other day, you know, that was, and I am able to go away, walk from it, and walk away from it, analyse it, and kind of acknowledge where those fears came from and the fact that there'd been an attack the night before and I'd been reading stuff and I've been, you know, like in the show, it's all, you know, I go through the beats of it, but I am explaining that I had a fear and where it come from and I'm acknowledging that it wasn't a correct fear. But I feel like even acknowledging that you've ever got it wrong yeah. <laughs> seems to be increasingly diff different or people being able to come back from a mistake or like you was exactly what you said earlier on what was the thing that you said about um being wrong is not the same as being evil yes i think a lot having of the time being wrong seems to be someone can be wrong seed of evil or getting you? it wrong then becomes evil then becomes cancelled and you kind of go you do have to look across someone's entire life work career if you're someone who's in the public eye and kind of go is this consistent with everything else they do or have they just done this one yeah, and Not isn't quite punishment right. for hitting on your intern that you, nobody in your industry ever talks to you? Is that the punishment? Is what? what yeah. Is the, cause we, but also, if you make it seem like people can never come back, then what is the incentive for them to change to, that behaviour? Yeah, it's really. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm going to quote Louis C.K. because he'd be <laughs> one of the people that we were talking about. You know. Um, but he had a routine about, like, you know, when someone takes a kid and kind of 
We had it routine. I'm sure it was about kidnapping a kid or like killing the kid, like kind of going, we're going to find you and it's all going to be over for you. Like what incentive is there not to kill the kid that they've just kidnapped? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. There's a sort of, I've worded it completely wrongly, but it was one of those things that Louis CK used to do really well, which was these kind of big moral or philosophical ideas or dilemmas mm. and kind of wring the comedy out of them and kind of go, actually, what about looking at this? That's all, all comedy is. What about looking at this from another direction? Where's the surprise? Yeah. What's the, you know. How have you not seen this before? Because yes. everyone knows the right way to see this. Yes, yeah. And 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 that's that's going to be interesting for comedy as people become more entrenched in these ideas of the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say. I was talking to a, this is sort of irrelevant, but I think sort of relevant, maybe illuminating. I was talking to a friend of mine who is very right wing, uh, sorry, very left wing, very right. Very very I was wrong, like Trump said. What I meant to say was he's very left-wing. He's a friend of mine. He is very compassionate, very sweet, very um, much a practical feminist in that he's the one who keeps house and so on and so forth. He works from home. Um, his wife is a high-powered banker. Um, and he's about to have a daughter. Well, she's about to have a daughter. And then she will take some maternity leave and then he will be the primary carer. And he said to me that he's a bit worried about that because despite all of his kind of right-on beliefs and ideas, he's not sure that as a man he's the best person to be the primary carer for a baby girl. Right. He's not sure. Like, he, his, his um, politics would say, yeah, of course, yeah. equality, equality, equality. But his, there's something in him that goes... Should I be teaching a baby girl to speak? Shouldn't that be her mother? Shouldn't is yeah. there something more about a mother, like the bio, the biological that that what is what would be now seen as a very right wing perspective? Yeah, yeah. He has that in him, and and it's gone from this very general political stance, which doesn't really have any. Personal well, it's easy when you don't have skin in the game. Yeah, it's easy to have these kind of big moral stances on things that you kind of have no personal investment in. And this is not something that is, you know, of course there's been children who've lost their mothers who've been brought up by their fathers and it's, they've turned out fine and some of them haven't, of course, but this is the thing. He he doesn't want to pl- play an experiment with his baby. Right. So right. you will trend conservative with things like that, or certainly his feelings are. It's not going to change the way he behaves, and he'll be a fantastic. Like it's ridiculous. He'll be yeah. a fantastic dad. His yeah. daughter will be. But that's just a, a, a fear that he's had, and, and also one that he maybe feels that he couldn't vocalise the way he wanted to because of how it would be perceived or seen. Yes, and so this is the thing. We and all have those things, and if we choose to voice them, then we position ourselves further towards the middle or further towards the right, and there are implications now. Yeah. For that kind of speech in yeah. our communities, particularly in these in these increasingly stressed out communities. I sort of don't really follow Dawkins no, anymore in the way that I, I met him mostly. <laughs> years ago. I had a bit in my first ever Edinburgh show. So like 2009, Along Came a Spider, it was called. And it was all about, broadly about predator versus prey. Like how much of your life do you feel like you know, oh, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And how much are you in control of or how much does someone else have dominance mm. over you? And I had a bit in it about reading Climbing Mount Improbable. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he was up at the festival doing a talk with Clive Anderson that year, I think. Mm. And I took my 
book to get his son. But I was like, fang up. I was like, super excited to meet Dawkins. Well, I mean, and then the joke was, he wrote in the book, well written. he wrote in the book, uh, Good Luck and God Bless, which <laughs> <laughs> that was like the kind of joke. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, it, it, I remember being very excited about meeting. And some of his books are c- c- difficult to kind of get. That one's all about intelligent design or the idea of intelligent design. Yeah. Um, well, there's also this weird eagerness now to take people down for things they've done in the past, which is, there's two things to that. Of course, people should be held accountable for terrible things they've done in the past. But sort of eagerly looking for it. There is this urge now, and I don't yeah. know where that's coming from, but I've seen it. It's a real thing. As if people don't grow and evolve and change and get better as humans. Yeah, and there's sort of a, I'm torn on it because of course, you know, if people got away with something terrible, then they should be held to account. But there was a book published recently about Einstein taking stuff from his private journal where he was travelling around the world. So he made some observations when he went, he went to China and he said, he said, I think there are filthy industrious people in his private journal. Right. And this is being used to paint Einstein as a racist. Right. And I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Like, contextually, in, he was not a racist. He fought so much for the rights of, of, of Jewish people and black people. And he was, so, he was so rational. He was so compassionate. He was so kind. And if you think about going to communist China at that period of time... So, right. Yeah, it would have been a lot of very also, dirty people working very hard, and 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 this this importing of the of the implications of those words now. Those words have now gathered this implication and putting it back and saying he was he meant them in the way we would understand them now seems in seems it's wrong, it's sort malicious. of it's it, the problem is is that we can't go back and make history perfect. So I think I again have a line an optimist of kind of going. That's why I don't like the word problematic. Yeah. guess what we all are we're yeah. human beings we're flawed we fuck up when we make mistakes and the hope is that you can learn from the mistake that you've made i had this in empire you know there were people who had slaves who were nice people right there were people who had slaves who were nicer than you like you chew on that for a minute yeah, yeah probably yeah. not to their slaves but when was the last time you checked in on the guy who made your iphone for fuck's sake we are all guilty and problematic and, and complicit in certain things and I think there's um uh, there's a way well also there's a way of distancing yourself as well and this is where the grey area in so much morality happens right because the iPhone thing we feel okay about because the person making that in a third world country which is now a bit you know not politically correct you're supposed to say developing nations no and again it's meant to say the global south apparently the global south i mean developing implies a western imperialist idea of progress right right but or does it apply developing in terms of it getting better for the people living there that's how i would interpret developing but also again this is where the left pushes you away i had this bit in my show where I got tone policed by by a friend for saying, oh, you know, I don't like treating the government treating poor people as less than human, you know, poor is human, and them saying, actually, I find the word poor really offensive, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, why? Because you've never been it. What would you like me to call them? Differently financed, economically <laughs> challenged. So at this point where we start saying wrong, or like the idea, this was one I saw, like it's cultural appropriation. This is a recent one to use spirit animal. I'm going to stop using spirit animal. And it's like, which culture are you appropriating? Because actually the idea of spirit animals and spirit guides go 
through quite a few different i've got like roman gypsy family and it's a roma thing as well like there's there's like you know it yeah. exists in many many different cultures and then the argument to that that i have heard to saying so spirit i've heard animal. this argument that, yeah. that that spirit animal is not okay and then the counter argument that um, there are many cultures that have spirit guides or spirit animals or totem animals, is that spirit animal in our culture was very specifically used to refer to uh, American Indian, uh, some First American Nation. Indian First Nation uh, traditional cultural thing. So that that term, but then even that's not. It's, it's this it doesn't matter thing. if it's used for that. Like it, it goes across that. Then that means it's the most. It's kind of like going everyone feels bad about like Jewish people dying in the Holocaust and that becomes about Jewish people but as many gypsies yeah work it like like kill and it's harder to keep track of so it's kind of like going but that belongs to that's for Jewish people to talk about the whole you know like and well, you go yeah, this thing that the fact that our just because more people know raised the other uh, meanings of that word that now you can't use that word to refer to the other things yeah or to refer to anything else that's a that's an interesting thing because you're talking about this oppression that was perpetrated on the indigenous american people but in that that's erased all of the other meanings of that term yeah all of the other spiritualities that were also to also people who were oppressed and persecuted and you know so it's it so, i mean it's happening in italy right now they're getting they're trying to get rid of their Roma ro- people yeah whoa so so the idea yeah so I, I, I feel like and, and I know we had this discussion before I think we talked about one where we discussed you know what, is it cultural appropriation or is it just culture you know the headdresses and I'd read this big article we've talked about this on here before mm-hmm. so there's no point going into that again but then the bottom line of what the argument in the piece was that they were worn by the head like the the head of the tribe like the like the and then they had chiefs, this like the yeah. war chiefs and then they had this kind of like misogynistic underscore of like the idea of a woman or a white woman where and then you're asking me to support your yeah. misogynistic you well, know like so the other thing to celebrate a culture that you don't that is not your culture to respect yeah. a, there's a difference i guess between respect and tolerance and celebration that is being um erased or being elided or being ignored yeah so i can say i don't want to offend anyone i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings genuinely i don't except some people i think if they have beliefs that i that count contradict my core beliefs i do want to offend them yeah so if somebody believes that i should not as a woman be speaking in public and my speaking in public genuinely hurts them and it makes them feel like the order of the world is disintegrating and it makes their culture feel disrespected or whatever it happens to be i don't i don't care if i offend them yeah like i'm sorry on a personal level i don't want your feelings to be hurt but also that's a i don't agree with your belief i don't agree with the grounding of your belief and i'm not going to celebrate that belief the problem is a lot of the time people use false equivalencies to argue these points so for example uh, when Stephen Fry was talking about, this is going to sound like it's totally out of context, but it isn't, was talking on the last leg about grid girls. Mm. And I have this sort of thing about feminism letting down working class women at the moment. So my opinion on them sort of banning the grid girls was, I did that. 
So it was modelling. Now, it may not be the kind of modelling you like, but it, you'd wear like cat suits, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes hot pants. I did IndyCar, right? And you'd turn up, you'd do pit store t- uh, tours, and you'd wear something sponsored. So it'd be like uh, Red Bull, you know, a Red Bull sponsored cat suit or whatever, mm-hmm. and you would go around and do. Now, it's modelling yeah. is what it is. It tends to be more working class girls that do that. And his his explanation this was Stephen Fry said on the last leg he said um you know it's embarrassing it's old-fashioned we need to get rid of these it was like it's you know it's not, it wouldn't even refer to it as fashion I should be very specific because the words he used were very specific he basically said my body shape needs to not exist uh-huh Yes. Like he basically described it as pneumatic. Like it's time for the it's time for the end of these pneumatic women, who like which is that is a pejorative term, and yes. it's from Huxley. So basically, here's here's the um, here's what I understand is you have big boobs, and as a young lady, you've got this kind of figure that is that says you can do this type of thing particularly appealing to a particular group of people right you know this is the kind of woman who's drawn on the back of a pickup truck yeah you are a cartoon bodied woman now it's 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 also not something that you've done it's not something i've chosen so to say that i should that those bodies shouldn't exist because you're not attracted to them because steven is attracted to men (laughs) like you to, to kind of erase it it was so dismissive it was like we're just so bored of or we're over these pneumatic women yeah right but then it goes further than that then his false equivalency was like it's like black and white minstrels and i was like it's so nothing like black and white minstrels which is horrific and up until like the 70s there was like a tv show on mm. they had a black on, on on tv in the uk the bbc had a show in australia and when you, it was not so long ago that they brought back this blackface act on uh, hey, hey hey it's saturday right i mean there was an outroar but yeah and, and i mean i was like who are these women appropriating like what i don't understand you can't you can't draw that equivalency it's not the same there's the layers of oppression and black people not being able to have a voice or platform and coming like there's so much systemic well yeah and historical like kind of that, that leads to why why it's so and it is it's fucking disgusting right but to compare that to grid girls i'm like who are these women trying to appropriate well, and then who, who 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 are they trying to take the place of? And I just felt like it was classism because on that side you go that's modelling. Now, if you want to say all modelling is objectification and that should be banned, that's, that's exactly a different discussion, say, yeah. right? Because why is it? It's not okay. So what? So what's happened there with this? With us trying to get through on the other side of Me Too and all of this is you've taken some jobs away from those girls. However, so it, them being in a cat suit at a racetrack is offensive but you open vogue and a lot of the time they're from you know uh privileged backgrounds so there's lots of ladies who are modeling at the moment who have titles they're in vogue they're doing a, a a Stuart Weitzman commercial or someone like Kendall Jenner who is now from one of the richest fucking families in America right like mm. they're like crazy famous and rich and she doesn't need to do any of it mm. for a living is naked in a Stuart Weitzman commercial yeah to sell shoes and they're naked yeah but that's not a problem certainly not for Stephen Fry that's not a problem these girls wearing cat suits on a racetrack it might be off it might be cheesy you might find it cheesy but you know if there's guys there as well 
then it's just looking at good-looking people. If you've got a problem, then get rid of Love Island because yeah. that's just looking at good-looking people. That's objectification. But that what I felt like this was was a class-based thing kind of going well we've done that we fixed sexism haven't we because we took these girls off a off a racing grid yeah yeah it is that is a really it's a weird and interesting area right and also it's frustrating as well when you see kind of three four men talking about something that affects women yeah having this discussion discussion about it but his wholesale dismissal of and i think Stephen Fry probably does this a bit. Like there was a thing of like women don't enjoy sex that he said years ago. So he's had like a series of bad takes. Uh, I can imagine women wouldn't enjoy sex with Stephen Fry. uh, Yeah, yeah. He was like, that's why, you know, like it was kind of like a gay men do it better. And listen, the other thing is, is I'm free to disagree with him on all of this stuff. I would never call for him to be cancelled. Yeah. I would challenge him on it though. I'd go, this is wrong. And it's kind of weird that you're the person discussing this thing, you know. But that would be an example of a, a false equivalency. So that will happen quite a lot. Another one that happened recently was the blimp the Trump blimp. So oh, Piers yes, Morgan, the baby on the... captain of the false equivalency, said to Sadiq Khan on Breakfast TV, and I, I think there are discussions to be had about this. I think the right to protest is really important. However, Sadiq then kind of legitimizes it. by. I, I think maybe it could have just happened, but I suppose you can't get, you can't permission. just fly a blimp without getting permission, right? So he went on TV and he said, Piers Morgan said, this is kind of outrageous that you've done this. And would you allow this to happen if it was like a Muslim thing? Say they flew like a pig. And I was like, how is that? Like, say it was against you and they flew a pig. I was like, how is that the same? Unless Trump has a religious belief that it's bad to eat babies. <laughs> like, <laughs> which he probably... Yeah, which I can't... Maybe he does, and maybe that's why he's happy with them being in cages. You know, but that is a, 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 another example of you also, go that you can't compare like for like there. No, you can't, and it's also contextual because Sadiq Khan is the mayor of, of London. Yeah. Trump said openly, publicly, on the news that London was full of terrorist attacks, that it was an awful place that was full of yes. criminals Im- and immigrants. And, like, from a kind of an honour perspective, uh, just as a human being, as the mayor of a city... He never said sorry. It was after the, it was after the attacks, and he just came online and went, like, we close our board. Like, he immediately politicised what happened in London, and then he got into this... Or he said something to Sadiq Khan, I can't quite remember. But I, I do remember there was no point where, as a statesman, yeah. at the minimum, you say our thoughts are with London. This is so awful. This has happened. Well, and then, so from that perspective, you know, Trump complained that he didn't feel welcome in London. The last thing you said to London was that it was a shithole full of terrorists. Yeah, and stabbings. Oh, that the hospitals were overflowing Overflow- with... You know, just saying mean... It's like say, it's like saying something mean and then expecting someone to ask you over for lunch. It, yeah. You don't ha- have a right to that. I, I, I don't know... People feel, maybe this is the other point that I was thinking about earlier today or the thing I was wrestling with earlier today, that people feel like stuff that happens on the internet isn't stuff. Right. So this is a a friend of mine. um, Is it? (laughs) Is it? Isn't it? I know. Like, it it, it is. Because sometimes you get embroiled in all of these things across social media and you go, is this reflective of the wider world as a whole? 
No. Or is it a microcosm or is it just a weird little corner? Did you know there are people who are not on Twitter? Did you know that most people in the world are not on Twitter? Yeah. But then this was happening, a friend of mine in Australia has been doing quite well recently as a comedian and promoting herself on online and there was just a rash of what's called subtweets of people right. saying things that are probably about her, copying the wording of her tweets but making it about who or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And that's right. been done to me where it's clearly about you but there's plausible deniability because they haven't said your name. Oh, isn't it better if they just say your name? Maybe, yeah. Just fucking stop being a... Bo- like, if you if you have an issue with it, but and, and the reason you don't is because you know it's mean and you know it could be... Well, my, my, my response is... I mean, I'm, my drafts folder has so many... <laughs> I have about 300, like, drafts of things that I'm like, oh, f- no, that's wrong. That's... I won't say that. That is, you know... It's not that was saying, yeah. ...angry, or that's mean, or it's unfair, or... Or sometimes it could be a valid criticism of something around a thing, but not about the individual thing. Like, some, a lot of the time, I get annoyed at the way press talks about stuff. Mm. And I want to kind of talk about a press reaction to a thing, mm. but then I don't want it to feel like I'm critiquing the thing by proxy. Does that make sense? Yes, I see what you So mean. people are talking about, you know, and journalists like to write these hard and fast rules about what anything means for comedy and then put it out and you go, I, I don't want it to be misconstrued that somehow that's you trying to, and obviously you know your intent when you're doing it, but you know, you don't want to give someone a shit day reading that. Yeah, well, this, like your friend. This is the thing you can be, you can give someone a really terrible feeling and a really terrible day, and you don't think about that when you write the tweet. You just think about the the joy of expression, which is a human right, self expression, the joy of expression, and then the reciprocal likes that you get, the little pings of endorphins that you get when someone agrees with you. They don't even necessarily know who you're talking about, but who yeah. you're talking about will see that tweet and they'll see. So many you know, people like it. 175 people agree. Yeah. This is if you want to say something about Stuart Lee, you know, just write his name. That's what I did. <laughs> that won't come back to bite you in the <laughs> ass. You would have me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, Which, I mean, at least to your face. At least he did it to your face. <laughs> yeah, but he's not even on Twitter. But, you know, oh, we'll probably hear about this now. But hopefully it's fine. It's just no all, you know. tell him. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I, but again, that was, that, what that came back down to was feeling like there's a form of bullying. Or deciding what is cult- culturally appropriate or relevant or, mm. you know, cliques exist in comedy. But I just feel like when you throw everyone else under the bus in order to make your point, that's not necessarily the best way to do it. Well, particularly in this instance, because it was just snidely mimicking in that sort of doing a stupid voice back at her for the things that she was saying that were inoffensive self publicate like i'll retweet praise how else are you gonna know that i'm amazing like (laughs) well sometimes you know like uh, there was a whole time where i went for the longest time i went i'm not gonna do it but i didn't comment on anyone who did i didn't kind of go ah because you just set yourself up you know that because one day you'll go oh actually i need to retweet this thing yeah and then everyone will be going, oh, so you're the you're the that said retweeting is like sucking your own dick, for example, you know. Um, well, here's here's an example, uh, and I think a relevant one of like there are things that we all do that we that annoy us for no reason. You know, you, your your rage on the internet is disproportionate to anything that's yeah. happening. And one of the things that used to annoy me was people asking questions on Facebook that could be answered by Google. Yeah. 
And then I had to go to LA and I needed to do a place to do podcasts. Right. So I was like, okay, I need a tea shop that is quiet enough. So do you mean those questions where someone goes, hive mind? Yeah. Right, okay. They used to annoy me. I never said yeah. anything yeah, about yeah. them, but yeah. when yeah, I saw no, them, I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. But then go do your like, own research. Write your own joke. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I, I, I needed a tea shop that was quiet enough to record podcasts, would be friendly enough to let me record a podcast and was relatively central. Well, and those aren't, aren't things that Google can tell you. No. They can tell you where a tea shop is. They can't tell you if it's quiet. Yes, they can't tell you if it's friendly. They can't tell you, you know, that mm. you can. what you can tell is the quality of the tea and the reviews, maybe. You could read all the reviews of all of the tea shops in LA. Yeah. Maybe. So I thought, I don't have friends in LA. I'm going to put this up on Facebook. Who likes, you know, who has a good tea shop, quiet, good tea, somewhere that you think they'd be okay with me doing a podcast. I wanted to build a shortlist and then I'd ring them and ask if I would, I would be okay to do that. Um, and I got this snidey little comment underneath of like, have you heard of Google? And it was like, yes. Actually, <laughs> I, I have. have. But have you heard of not commenting? If you don't have anything to offer. Yeah. That's one of the things that makes me disproportionately angry on the internet is people just going out of their way to be snide. Yeah. Petty. Oh, snide is the what? Like snide is, snide is the worst when, when something feels snidey. There was a thread about what comedians do in photographs and I somehow got added into it and I was like, now I'm being sucked into a world that is... You know, it was like, can anyone provide me with these examples of like classic poses that comedians do that are really shit? And someone added me like, they didn't say really shit, but the whole thing was this person was like, I don't do those type of photos. And then they were like, God, you know, when women look up to the side in that coquettish fashion and it's embarrassing and you're like, what? You know, like all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible, did I bite my lip? Am I a trope? Am I a... You know, yeah. and you how about you can just take the photo you want yeah, without you saying like it, what you don't want. If you don't, don't like it's it, takes don't you it. much longer to say what you don't want than to kind of go, actually, what, you know, the kind of thing I'm thinking for you is I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and it's funny sometimes you go, it, it is funny when you notice that there are people scratching photos. their head. That, I, it did make me laugh because there's loads of male comics that do scratchy head photos. Scratchy head photos, looking a bit overwhelmed by the world. Yeah, like, and I've got a scratchy head photo. So I'm like one of the few women that has a scratchy head photo. And I thought that was quite funny. But when it becomes about who I am as a woman or I'm doing some kind of trope or like oh am i funny i don't know aren't i a cutesy younger you're like well that's you just actually attacking me well you know and on the other hand what that you know to do it credit even though i've laughed at it before the hand behind the head thing what you see when you see that photo of a man with his hand behind his head scratching his head at the confusion of the world is you go oh that's a comedy yeah what the job of a poster is to go there is a comedy show this is the person who is in the comedy show. This is the time and place of the comedy show. Yeah. And my sort of, my preference for posters is to not have that necessarily be obvious. Yes. Um, but that's because I'm always doing shows at the festivals. So people know that it's a comedy, you know, that there's, they can look it up in the guide or my, 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 com- my, my posters have never been any of those things, by the way, but I do have press shots that when you're in there and then there's a type, your agents there going, what about that? And they're picking them out and going, this is how we want to sell you. So like my scratchy head one and my 
look up off to the side have both been when agents have got involved and chosen those as the photos to go. Well, my posters have always they been say comedy. That's what yeah, they say, and you're my, trying to deliver a message in a picture. My posters have always been, and I so rarely smile in my posters. My posters have always been like quite striking. Along came the spider. Was me trapped in a glass. Uh, uh, optimist was. Um, no, that wasn't Optimist. So it was Along Came a Spider. Then I did Dictators, which was me dressed in an East German logistics hat with the military jacket with a Now magazine kind of pointing, doing that kind of thing. Mm. Just trying, then what was after that? Oh, so it was Dictators. Then it was... Uh, is it Uncomfortably Numb? No, it was Cavewoman. Um, and it was me in a cavewoman dress with a spear. So I literally haven't had one poster after that. Optimist, me with plastic, sur- uh, uncomfortably now, me with plastic surgery markings and a tray full of implements. There's never been a like kind of, tr- I don't have generic posters. I have very specific, um, I'm just going through them, all of them now. Optimist was me drunk with a bottle of vodka on the floor looking hungover mm. because there was quite a lot about drinking in that show, you know, going into, I don't fucking know what, come after that madman was me with wings doing a jeff buckley poster seven was more wings and then this year was me on a fucking rocket so like there's no there's no kind of well my posters at yours least, are all quite you know they're yeah, statement they i don't tend to show much on my body i tend to be straight on facing out straight just mostly yeah. my head looking at you like that's yeah. what they tend to be just trying to basically stand out from the crowd because I designed the posters to be in festivals where there's a hundred posters on a wall, and what that wall says is "There's a festival on." Yeah, not go yeah. see Alice. So I try and like that's how I design them with that. In yeah, mind. and some people go, "I want people first and foremost to know that they're com- that they're a comedian." Yeah, and certainly if you are, you know, trying to stand out, you know, or trying to market yourself as a comedian, or you're not sure of yourself as a comedian, or if you want to let people know that it's just going to be jokes. You will stick your hand behind your fucking head and look confused at the world. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the quickest way to communicate that message. And someone's going to spend a split second looking and they'll go, I just want some straight up comedy. And they'll go, bam, 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 five dudes with hands behind their head. Let me yeah. see which one is closest. Yeah. But to kind of go, can you send me examples of comedians sort of doing these types of shots is then snidey? See, what I would do, like, I don't. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I think I would be more okay with that if she had, or he, I don't know, had said, um, DM those posters to me. Right, yeah, yeah. Of things that you know, that you think are tropes. Yeah. But to have it be this kind of public... But also, this person knows what the tropes are. Yeah. And they... So they know what to avoid. So why kind of go it just feels like it's it's opening up you know when you are trying to open up to a pylon or trolling or something you know yeah like subtweeting or quote tweeting yeah yeah maybe sometimes does maybe that she should, or he should say something like here are the poses i will not do as your photographer like that's yeah but yeah. don't like but i don't but do you need to say that or do you just need to do what you do and then this is the other thing, the logistics of a photo shoot, of any photo shoot for a poster or for a magazine, is you go in there, they put you through between 10 and 100 different poses and they take between 100 and 300 photos. Yeah. And then they send you a file Yeah. with a link to every single one of those photos and you have to spend 
hours looking at your own face. Well, that's how you pick a photographer as well, by the way. Yeah. You look at their previous work. Yeah. Is this someone I want to work with? Yeah. And then, and then of those things, then what happens is you, you'll cut them down to the ones that make you look the most hideous. You'll cut those out and then you've maybe got 100 left or 50 left and you send them to your management or to your friend and go, I cannot look at my own face anymore. You pick some. Yeah, yeah. And the photographer Please get me out you, of this you know, usually, seventh circle of hell. Yeah, the photographer <laughs> will give you a deal usually where they'll say they'll retouch six or 12 of them for the price. Bumble has quite strong opinions about this, by the way. Can you hear? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a baby. Bumble. Will you catch that? I don't know. <laughs> Come in here, Bumble. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> is a contributor to the podcast. Oh, we've gotten to a, a bloody hour. And, and again, we haven't got through half the stuff. We haven't got through we'll half the stuff. We'll do another one we'll next do, week. Yes, I will have to do another one next week. Um, was there anything that you wanted to say to finish this off or advertise anything, anything coming up um, for you that you want yes, people to come Yes, I should. Along? Well, have I got stuff coming up? Um, Bumble, do you want to come and say something to finally contribute? I mean, now he's clammed up. Yeah. He's just sniffing the microphone now. Bummy. Bumble. No, he's off. Um, what have I got to See promote? <laughs> See my cat. Um, he's amazing. Uh, so what have I got coming up? I've, I sort of did the last tour show of... <laughs> now he's moaning again. I did the last tour show of Bombshell, but I'm going to do Bombshell and Seven in September, I think for some recording Ooh, purposes awesome. so that'll be good so i just if you follow me on twitter at tiff stevenson or instagram which i'm using more which seems to have less dicks although there's a few sort of creeping on but i think it's easier to get rid of them so i'm on there oh i'm um, so trigger happy with block yeah like i know that i've i've seen figures being criticized you know particularly on the right wing piers morgan will block yeah everyone yeah but i just love blocking people like, I'll block people that haven't even talked to me, who I've never met online, if I just see them being a dick to somebody Pre-blocking. Else. Yeah, pre You called it pre-blocking. It's my, favorite, it's my yeah. favorite game. Yeah. Oh, I know that we're not going to... Yeah, I'm yeah. never going to have this person be an asshole in my sphere. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, come and find me on one of those places. Um, I do have stuff coming. I'm doing Mock the Week in September, so, you know, you can see that, but... Um, Look Tiff no, up if, online. She's got yeah, stuff. and She's if you got... listen and you're in Leeds or Reading, I'm doing Leeds and Reading Festival. I think I'm doing Lost Village Festival, so I'm doing a couple of things like that. So I'll be at those doing shows. And I've got actually one of my shows is about to go up on Vimeo. It's currently on Next Up, which you can subscribe to. But if you just want to buy a copy of the show, we're putting that up on Vimeo. So that's Madman, which will be at some point in the next couple of weeks. That's exciting. All right, yeah. thank you so much for having tea with me. Thanks.
God. Out the dumps and it is a name, and she helps the dog beside every frame. Lowly rifle, doll, lowly rifle day. On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doppers, cry up your ends. Lowly rifle, doll, lowly rifle day. And when the boss he looks round the door, tie your ends up, doppers, he will roar. Well, tie your ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lowly rifle, doll, lowly rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away, is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our ends up and leave our and wait for Elsie to return again. Lolly rifle, doll, lolly rifle.